Hi, welcome to the SoFar DFW podcast. Every other week, we release a new interview and a live performance from a SoFar artist right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'm Anna Xavier, and this week we'll hear from brothers Joe and Dave Dunwell, two very talented lads that, yes, you got it right, are the core of British pop rock band The Dunwells. During our chat, we didn't shy away from talking about an unexpected horse encounter in Austin, The Dunwells' first record, and how fate works in very, very mysterious ways. So We're here in Dallas with Dunwells all the way from the UK, but you have a special relationship with Texas. We do, yes. We recorded our first album in Texas, and we have management and a record company based out there and we just we love this place so much you recorded um your first uh record and it was a while ago right yeah it was 2012 and we recorded it at willie nelson's studio in austin yeah it was our first ever trip to america it was in a heat wave in austin being uh, two northern lads who were used to kind of a bit of rainy weather walking off the plane and the doors opening and then uh, <gasps> The loss, loss of breath as the heat kind of took took over. You've been horse riding, I've seen on on oh, Instagram. Wait. That was pretty good. Oh, there's there's context. So we were in a bar and we were watching some live music at South by Southwest, and then we walked out of the bar to go to another bar to watch more music. And there was a there was a horse there, and it was the night of my birthday as well. So <gasps> I turned thirty, and on my thirtieth birthday, I got to get on a horse, which was. Uh, the most surreal thing in the world it was amazing especially in texas as well like proper cowboys we didn't actually get to ride the horses though we just sat there and stroked the horse but it was (laughs) it was amazing though like you feel very powerful up there well and why was the horse there apparently he just he just goes around austin and just packs up and just lets people get on the horse and when we were there at the right time i feel like i need to add a little bit to the story we're not talking from the horse's perspective like just hang around and lets people get on his back (laughs) no it it was a guy who it was these two of them and they just travel in town and apparently like these stories of them of of actually like going into buildings and things like that and getting told off yeah because our, our manager knows the, the two guys. It wasn't completely the most random thing in the world. Our manager knew them both. Okay. So he went, oh, let's go and talk to these. I know these guys. And then threw us up on a horse. I guess at probably the end of the interview, we're going to figure out that this was all arranged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <birthday> present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's pretty good. And how was uh, South by Southwest? Brilliant. It always is brilliant. That was our third time doing South by Southwest. So it's been three years since we've been back. And, you know, it... it as I say, I'm not going to go around it. I love that place so much. It didn't feel like anything had changed. Uh, our first showcase was in the Continental, which actually was one of the first shows that we ever played. Um, once we'd finished recording the album, we basically just, in 2012, we just walked out of the studio, walked straight into that bar and started playing. And that was like, wow. So it was great being back on that stage again. I think this this South by Southwest was the first time that I got to see loads of music. Like normally you play your show and then you've got meetings. We made a point of actually going out and discovering new artists and bands. Ooh, who should we look out for? Punk band at the British Embassy stage that were called... Uh, they were called Idols and it was the most mental show I've ever seen. It was unbelievably good. Just the energy that they had and it was, it's not not specifically my type of music that I listen to but... 
you can't deny the, the energy. It was great. Have you ever seen a TV program called Peaky Blinders? Okay, well, get on Netflix and check it out. It's really good. But the characters in it are just basically these thugs that... Uh, and that was what we were watching on stage (laughs) they've got these big handlebar moustaches and they're just like they're climbing up and they're knocking over all the glasses and they're climbing up on the bar and they're walking around you know really really a bit cliche stuff but it was like it was amazing to see it they just absolutely dominated that entire room the the, the guitarist was wearing like boxer shorts like a boxer and, and a cape and that was it what? That was all he had on, but he looked, he, he rocked it. He looked yeah, cool. I was like, that is our, that's the Dunwell's new style. We're going with that. <laughs> yeah, pictures following on the website. <laughs> awesome. Talking a bit about your music, um, you uh, released uh, "Light Up the Sky," and it was a very honest album. How was the progression of the early years towards now a bit more mature? There's a there's an innocence to the first album. It's like I'm writing a song just for the sake of writing a song, and then. And then when you, you kind of get into the world of, oh, this song could take me somewhere, and it, and it did. You know, like we had a song called I Could Be a King, which took us around America for three and a half years, touring all these amazing places. And then you kind of get into the second album, and you go, well, there's purpose to this writing. And then you're kind of trying to figure out what's good and what's not. I feel like the Light of the Sky album is today... Oh, the best stuff that we've ever ever written. I am proud to put my name on there and go, you know, if someone was to come up to me and ask who I was as a person, I would hand them that album and go, you'd, you'd, you'll know who I am after that. So by the time we were writing the second album, which I'm the same as Joe, I'm so, like, so super proud of the, of the Light of the Sky album. Um, and people would say, so what's the album about? And uh, you need to have this thick story album and, and what? Because everybody wants to know everything that's going on. And genuinely, that's, that second album is about one story, and that's frustration. Because we were frustrated at the time. Not necessarily the way that our careers were going, but it felt like we did all the America travelling, and it was like, if you wanted imagery of what we were doing, it felt like the Greyhound bus just dropped us off and drove off into it, and we were stood there with our bags going, OK, let's, let's write some more songs then. And then that's how it felt. So we were on a nine-week US tour, and at the start of the tour, our manager, Kevin... He came in and says, right, we're in New York at this point. He came into our hotel and he went, that's it, guys. We're no longer going to be doing any more singles from this first album. Time to write his next. And we were like, yes, finally, we can start making some new material. Um, and we'd always been writing anyway, um, but we just knew that it, we weren't be touring this first album. And the next time we go on tour, it'd be brand new songs. And we were, we were asked to, to look for a new producer. So for weeks, we were just listening to new music. And at the time, there was a band called Codeline. Now, we loved the sound of the Codeline first album. So we were like, we need this producer. So we, t- we ran Kevin and said, can you find him? So we found out that he was called Stephen Harris. And he had just done a Dave Matthews album in Seattle. And we were like, our entire tour finishes in Seattle. This is going to be it. We're gonna, it's fate. And we've got two weeks off so we can start work in Seattle making this album. So we're like, Kevin, get this guy. We're going to use him. So we set off and then weeks passed and weeks passed. And we're like, we could not get in touch with this guy at all. So anyway, it got to the final day of the tour. We've not met him. We jumped on the plane and flew to Manchester, landed in the airport, turned our phones on. And Kevin, our manager, sent us a message going, found him. We're like, oh, well, it's a bit late now. Great. Thanks very much. And he went, he lives an hour away from your house. (laughs) 
No yeah, this way. Lived in the north, he lived in the north of England, but he'd been working in America for so long. So actually, the next day, we just drove to Steve Harris's house and went, will you make our album, please? Oh, my uh, God. Fair. Tell yeah. Me. You know, we, we've got family back home, and we really wanted to build a life and a career that spans on both sides of the water. That's all we've ever really wanted to do. Um, and America was going great, so we carried on touring, and we wanted to have a reason to be at home so that we could build something, and that gave us an amazing reason to actually kind of grab a little bit of what we love about British music. Um, and now we do. I mean, we've got, like, we've got a life over here and over there, which is great. It's amazing. That's pretty, pretty epic. All right, um, just time for one more question. Mm -hmm. If um, you had to describe what your music is about or how your music sounds like, it being a dish or a food, what do you think it would be and why? Oh, that's, that's a really, really good, good question. question. I would say it's kind of like a light fish, nicely cooked, with, but with chips. So you've got the healthy fish, but every now and again you can have like a few... Naughty bits. It's fish and chips. Yeah. <laughs> you could have said, I don't know, you might as well have said a Yorkshire pudding. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, I've got one. I've got it. Back home when I was a kid, a chili to me was like minced meat and you need tomato sauce and then, you, and then you have your rice with it and then you have your beans in it. So that's like a chili. However, if you wanted to make it spaghetti bolognese, you just don't put the beans in it. And the, it's like the basis of what we are is always the same. It's a staple kind of like certain ingredients. Check this out. How good is this? It's like a, it's like a practice. This, <laughs> um, so it's like a st the staple of our of our like the food of our music is the same. But every now and again, we just you know switch a little thing out, and it completely changes the dish. Have we got away with it? Yes, yes. Oh my god! It's better than fish and chips. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> Guys, that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you very Thank much. You. I've been Anna Xavier, and the track that you're about to hear was recorded live in Dallas by SoFar Sound's audio engineer, Jake Simon. Thank you for listening to the SoFar DFW podcast. And now, here's Diamonds by The Dunwells.
trust is gone and the break of dawn He hears that song he knew his time had come He's moving on He's a blue-eyed boy He's a blue-eyed boy With jet black hair Jet black hair Whitewash jeans Whitewash jeans He believes he's moving on We all fall down, I'll fall down, bottom of the ball. We all fall down, I'll fall down, bottom of the ball. We all fall down, I'll fall down, diamonds, diamonds in his eyes, diamonds in his eyes, dollar signs. We all fall down, I'll fall down, diamonds. Thank you.